This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of well a uh, good morning to all our doc and guru listeners out there it's uh, great to be Back with you again. Uh, I'm apologizing for the doc not being with us today. He has disappeared off to London. So he is our traveling man, Cape Town last week, London this week. Doc, I hope you're having a good time. And just remember, doc, Saturday the 19th of February, Arsenal versus Brentford. I'm expecting a pitch report. And uh, when I say pitch report, I'm not talking about one of those ones that Shane Warne used to do. Okay, just tell me what the vibe is like. I'm assuming you're queuing for your ticket at. Uh, at Arsenal, so uh, enjoy yourself over there. But today we've got with us uh, two interesting guests, uh, well known in, in our media industry. Today, Chris Boerter is joining us, Group MD of Park Advertising, and Zibusiso Mkonazi, Executive Chair of M&M Brands, uh, who owns the, the, amongst other things, the Avatar Agency. Uh, we're going to call him Z for the show. So, Z and Chris, thanks for joining us today. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting week. I must say I've had my, my faith in mankind renewed this week uh, when the authorities in Canada chose to address the issue of the uh, Ottawa trucker blockade by bombarding them with a with a loop of Barry Manilow music and the Macarena song. I thought that was rather ingenious uh, <laughs> piece of, of problem solving. And I was just wondering the next time the EFF gets a bit frisky in Parliament, perhaps we should you know, try piping Gay Kost and, you know, singing Lifling through the, the parliamentary science system. That might have an interesting outcome as well. But, guys, thanks. thanks Not for, a bad idea. Yeah, you reckon it could work, <laughs> eh? We could see. Look, it works at Loftus Fast Club, right? They play Lifling there and everybody leaves the stadium. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is very ugly, and that is, comes from the, the cheetah's number one rugby fan. So take that one from where it comes, folks. Um, but guys, thanks very much uh, for joining us today. I mean, really interesting story broke in the last uh, week or so. 
that uh, park advertising and MNN brands joining together to to uh, create a, I think you're calling it a uh, 100% black owned um, disruptor agency. We'll come to that in a moment. But AMA, Z, tell us about a little bit about you know the the M and M brands and the avatar and and the okay. journey into media. I think Chris, if you forgive me, I think most people know the uh, the park advertising and media shop and its uh, satellites reasonably well. So Z, let, tell us a bit about the background and why why media agency. Okay. Um, uh, th- thanks for the invitation. Um, so so originally the first business that I, I was involved in that still exists in the group now is uh, um, Avatar, which we started with my business partner about 10 years ago, Veling uh, Gubane. And, you know, the objective there, you know, was to shake up the advertising industry, you know, but in a different way. Um, I mean, I came from a digital agency. I owned a digital agency before then. And I questioned why we were creating marketing around a single channel. You know, um, why do we have a digital agency when we don't have a TV agency or a radio agency? Why do we build an agency around a single channel? You know, and that was that was my my question that I couldn't answer. You know, and uh, I decided to build avatar you know an integrated agency with digital at the core where we look at you know cross-platform and this was about 10 years ago um you know it was a little bit too early for its time you know but but uh with time the business started growing uh, in a very healthy way it had a hundred percent uh growth rate for seven consecutive years uh, now employs over 100 people. We've got three offices in Johannesburg, in Cape Town, in Durban. Um, we run marketing for some of the uh, world's largest brands, in, um, being Techno, uh, which we run from Shanghai. We are their worldwide agency, you know, in multiple countries. Our ads are seen by over a billion people. Um, and And yes, we're truly south african business and proudly south african and but growing growing out into the rest of the world very aggressively and and my love affair with uh, media you know started actually while i was was in in avatar or let me say the progression towards eminent brand started while i was in avatar in in avatar where a large telecoms took out a pitch uh, for their advertising businesses uh, for the advertising business, sorry. And uh, there were no South African agencies involved. And I questioned this and they said to me, look, we operate, you know, in a number of African countries. And if we are pointing, we are pointing across the continent. And at the time, um, well, still today, you know, there isn't a African owned agency network that can interconnect the continent. And that was the reason for starting MNN. You know, that's what we wanted to do as a business. Um, so love affair with with media. Um, it's I guess it's always been there. You know, working on the advertising side, I just I just saw that uh, uh, all the fun is actually in the on on the media game. Jeez, I don't know what what uh, novels you've been reading, but you must have been reading something which was published back in the 70s and the <laughs> 80s. I'm seeing a lot of people, young, smart, intelligent people. I'm not so sure how many of them are, are having fun right now. But so, so, Chris, coming back to you then, I mean, you know, 
obviously uh, park advertising you've got the media shop you've got lucid you've got meta media it's a well-established aggregation or um w- you know what what's the the sort of the, the joint interest you know what what do you see as the mutual benefit uh in, and am I correct in calling it a JV, uh, the formation of AMO? Would that be the correct phraseology? Yeah, yeah, I, I, Gordon, I think you nailed it. It's, 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 it is a JV, like a partnership, basically, in, in, in essence, between the two groups. Um, so I think that the one thing we've realized as, as and I'm, I'm going to put two hats on here, right? I think, first of all, uh, if, if, I, if I put my hat, I mean, my, my, I'm Group MD of Park Advertising. So from a park advertising perspective, the reason, I mean, when if you go back uh, five, six years, when MediaShop was the only asset that park really owned, uh, which was very successful, but it had its limitations as well, you know. Um, so then we started MetaMedia. We then recognized an opportunity in the market to, uh, to, uh, 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 to start a digital performance agency thereafter, which is when we started Lucid. Um, so kind of as the opportunities come around, Gordon, we've looked at, how we can expand the park advertising footprint. You know, we can't be reliant on one agency only um, and, and, and one client only. It's, it's, a, it's a very dangerous place to be in. So the other area that, that funny enough, and Zibo Season and I actually met probably, I'm gonna, I don't want to lie to you, I think 2018, hey, if I'm not mistaken, Z. Around, uh, yeah. And, 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 and Zibo Season and, and Eminem Brands then sponsored the Transformation Awards, which Media Shop won that year. And, and, after the, I remember after it was at the Ad Focus Awards. After the Ad Focus Awards, uh, Zibo season, I both kind of walked up to each other and said, "We should go have a cup of coffee." And I think the idea started in 2018. So it's, it was one of those ideas that uh, you know, an idea whose time has come. Um, so we, we we've been speaking about it for four or five years now, really. But how do we how do we really get a a hundred percent black owned, locally owned agency? but with the scale and backing of a global agency off the ground. And I think that's where that that's kind of where the, 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 the scrambled egg that we tried to unscramble. Um, you know, I think there's to be an entrepreneur, a South African entrepreneur in the media agency field in South Africa, you need hair on your teeth. Um, and if you haven't, I, I, so I think the idea came with, there is this big opportunity that everybody's looking at, but I don't think anybody's quite solved how to do it. Uh, and I think between Zippo Sisa and myself, I think we've gotten to a point now where we have a, a, a blueprint of how we can how, how we can uh, uh, create these agencies and, and 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 really capitalize on that opportunity. Um, so I think that gives you a bit of a perspective yeah, about. Yeah. About where the discussion started and 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 how park advertising then fits on into the, it. on the hair you know with respect to hair on your teeth I think that goes back I mean you talk about going away after an award evening for a cup of coffee my opinion that's you know I'm surprised you're having any fun at all over coffee um, rather than wine and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that but that's that's be that's another topic but that's where the hair on your teeth comes from too much coffee so Z let me just throw this at you then. Um, you know the, the the press releases and the narrative are being built around 100% black owned, which I would then understand completely in the context of the discussion thus far. But there's also a lot of emphasis uh, being placed on um, the the uh, disruptor component. Yes. What is a disruptor agency? I mean, back in the day, all ad ad, ad ad agencies were disruptors. I mean, that was our purpose in life was to disrupt the boring yeah. lives of marketers. How, how do you become a disruptor in a disruptive industry? What's the differentiation? 
Well, I think in this particular context, we we have to look at it from an from an industry perspective, right? Um, in terms of marketing spend uh, or media spend, rather, about eighty percent of it is concentrated, you know, in in five agencies, right? So this is about in a in a forty four billion rand industry, right? And uh, the other twenty percent, you know, is is amongst the smaller the smaller South African players, you know, um, and and other media agencies. Now, now, this this has been the status quo for a very very long time, right? And uh, and and the reason why we term this as a disruptor agency because it now for the first time, you know, introduces another player in that eighty percent that can work and and um, and bill at the scale you know of of the other five you know and that's where the disruption really comes from you know so it's it's innovation in terms of how it is structured uh, as a business and is it is innovation from a perspective of um, where South Africa as a country is going right and and uh, ensuring that it is relevant to to the future of the country yeah, I think I think that's a really interesting observation. And uh, just taking a step back as well, if I'm not mistaken, within the Avatar setup uh, or M&M brand setup, there's there's quite a strong female empowerment component of it as well. Yeah, it, it, would that also be a point of difference? I mean, given that we are now talking this year about the the reincorporation of the MAC Charter as part of our guideline, I mean, yeah. it, it, I'm surprised that you didn't address or you haven't spoken to the female empowerment aspect yeah. of it. So there, there is a female uh, empowerment component, but we will announce it in a few weeks from now. You know, we don't want to let the cat out okay. of the bag just yet. But yes, there is a female empowerment component. Well, but we'll news. share details in a few no, weeks. That's good news because um, for me, it's obviously a very strong point of differentiation. So it's it's news in the making and it's coming our way soon, which, which makes a lot of sense. But just coming back then to, uh, you know, the... The world in which I grew up in, in the 70s in advertising, where creative and media lived together in the same house, if not on the same floor. And sometimes if you were lucky enough, you got to ha- you know, share the same lunch. But <laughs> is, there, is part of your disruptor reverting back to uh, a more open communication with a, with a creative source? Because that, for me, seems to be a global phenomenon that's becoming very real again. Mm. So in this particular case, uh, the the joint venture with uh, with Park would set up an independent agency away from from the Avatar business, right? Okay. So, so the the business of Avatar, you know, if I may, maybe just expand it on Avatar just a little bit. Avatar comprises of of about I think eight agencies, right? Um, Joba Cape Town Durban PR uh, youth mm-hmm. marketing B two B specialist businesses etc um, etc et but there's a total of about eight of them and one of them is actually a media business that sits inside inside that group itself. Now it it has the luxury of a side by side relationship. But what we found is that it's good to have such a relationship. But what tends to happen is that media almost becomes a by the way business. You know where. Where if we're doing a really great campaign and there's a media component, oh, we've got a media agency that could, that can potentially do it, and and we haven't seen the type of scaling. We haven't scaled the way we'd like to scale that business, and and we've realized because our core is advertising inside of that business, and if we're going to do media or get media right, it has to have its own 
uh, identity, its own management, you know, and its own focus. And hence why I stepped down as the group CEO of Avatar to give this the proper love and attention that it deserves. So I I still believe that uh, there's still a little bit more uh, kilometers left on the road for media to sit by itself. Yeah, I think I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, the uh, sh- carving up of the roles and, and yeah. the expectation of a heavy load, because I think it's an idea that's, t- you know, as time has come is that we need more uh, black owned enterprises in in this space. Chris, just coming back to you as well. I mean, obviously, one of the advantages that you offer through Park is that sort of collective buying. Um, you know, I think it's common knowledge that uh, Park Advertising has got probably one of the most astute CFOs uh, this industry has ever seen in, in, in Sean Clark. So, I mean, is there some value in a shared overhead in terms of, of, of buying and, and general kind of administration costs as well? Is that part of the model? You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Yeah, I think, uh, Gordon, I think that's exactly the point. Uh, if you go look at what park, from a park advertising perspective, and, and I spoke earlier on about having, you, having hair in your teeth to, 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 to get into the media agency as an entrepreneur. I'll give you, I'll give you a few simple examples, Gordon. Um, we have a finance department of 40 people, right? That's 40 individuals who probably have a collective experience of five, 600 years of media experience in terms of managing and processing finance, uh, in terms of managing and processing invoice, how how to work with a big business like uh, I'll use the SABC as an example, uh, how how to, how to coordinate sales and spend, you know, all of those things are sunk into park advertising. We have all of our guarantees set up with all of the media owners, which by the way is still a big limiter for 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 locally owned businesses to to expand. We have a performance media uh, group made up of fifteen uh, brilliant social search and programmatic people. Uh, we have Global Insights, all assets that took us, I mean, the Park Group as a collective is now 34 years old, Gordon. So I think it's, it's, that's an asset that we're sitting on at the moment, right? How do we best work that asset and sweat it in its various arms? We're sweating it on Media Shop, we're sweating it on Lucid, we're sweating it on, 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 on Metamedia. I think our next step is therefore naturally is to use what we have. So if, 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 I, if I can use this word, uh, AMA's greatest need is the one thing we are trying to sell, which is almost what made this relationship so obvious and, and, and very easy to almost step into uh, 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 w- once, once we aligned on, the, on, on those philosophical thoughts. So you've been around for 34 years. That's, that's about half the age of Sean Clark. So that's, that, that's an incredible <laughs> long period of time that you've, that you've been around. It was his birthday yesterday, by the way. So, Happy birthday uh, so, so to you. 59 years old. Gee, Sean, and he's still trying to play off the old man's tees. Um, wonderful That's CFO, it. but a shocking act to play golf with, unless you're playing with him, of course, in which case it's a huge win. Um, <laughs> but just taking a step back as well, then, uh, um, you know, part of the uh, survival or, or, or of the park advertising setup as it is now was early adoption. I mean, through your pedigree with Dick Reed, I mean, arguably, in fact, not arguably, I think you were the first independent media agency uh, in South yeah. Africa, that's correct, that claim? That's so, right, yes. So you've been right. pace setters from, from day right, one. Yes. If we look at the way forward, Chris, you know, from your perspective, what is it that agency, media agencies in particular need to do more of and what do they need to do less of in order to 
uh, embrace this kind of post-COVID-19 um, landscape, which is beginning to, to, to resurface in our lives? Um, Gordon, it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky one. I think the, the, the answer lies in a balancing act between finding um, a solve for clients with, and, and, and I'm, I'll explain this point a bit more, extreme generalists versus extreme specialists. So I think in our business, we find that there is certain categories where we need extreme specialists. So I think we're finding that media agencies are moving in that extreme specialist space. I mean, you will have seen yourself how, uh, you know, uh, Zibusisa spoke about uh, digital agencies, right? Uh, it's now gone from digital agencies to search agencies, to performance agencies, to social agencies, to like literally almost narrowing it down. And in the future, you'll probably see, uh, I mean, we, and we've seen it already, a Facebook agency, you know, like where people go to, to, to the extreme of specialists. And then I think the flip side to that is the extreme of generalist. Um, and that would be where I think a lot of media agencies are headed is where media agencies now employ copywriters, media agencies now employ art directors, especially when it comes to things like dynamic creative and, and, and on digital platforms, where a media agency is kind of playing in the territory of where a creative agency would. So in terms of the future, I think we're going to see a massive spin in two directions. It's like something that's like a like an explosion with, with, with two pieces going in two different directions. The one piece going to the extreme specialist area where agencies have to play, and the other piece going to the extreme generalist, which is where they have to play. So I think the agencies in the future that are going to win are the ones who are going to find that balancing act and handle that well. Um, so I think if you if, if you talk about what agencies need to do more of and less of, I think less of is myopic thinking. Uh, I think uh, I think for, for too long, big global agencies, because we are big global agencies, don't act like entrepreneurs. Um, so I think that entrepreneurial thinking, I think, is, 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 is something that, that has to come to the fore. I think less of, again, is isolation. I think, the, again, agencies, agencies have this habit of, of there's a media owner over there and there's a creative agency over there and there's a client over there and we over here. We're all in the same boat. Get everybody together, work everybody together. And then I think the last thing we need to do less of is and I would call it, uh, I joke about it often with Sean as well, by the way, it's the quarter to quarter approach, right? And I think it comes from very many American-owned companies where you, there's a lot of financial pressure on how do you perform in this quarter? So there's seldom long-term thinking for these agencies, and these agencies literally live on their numbers that they deliver on a quarter by quarter basis, right? Uh, and they don't invest today for something that they'll reap the rewards of three or four or five years later. If you invest today, you better reap the rewards this quarter still. Um, so I think that's what we need to do less of. And hopefully more of is the opposite of everything that I've just explained. Yeah, the, the, the short termism is quite interesting. And I wonder to what degree it's, you know, which came first, chicken or egg kind of thing, that, you know, short termism in media agency reporting was a response to short termism in in client uh, media and investments, you know, and, you, if, if your clients are not giving you a long-term kind of view of the world, it's very difficult to report in the long term. So hopefully that's part yeah. of a, of, of a, a joint uh, return to, to the long-term perspective. But Z, coming back to you, Chris talked about entrepreneurial flair, which I think is yeah. a really critical point. And I mean, I know in your own background, you uh, were talking about your startup as a 17-year-old. Uh, that's where your kind of love affair with entrepreneurial kind of engagement began, seed yeah. capital of 2000. 
I mean, a lot of our listeners out there are young entrepreneurs who want to make a, a name for themselves in the media business. Just tell us a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur and what two or three you know, thoughts that you would like to leave with, with some of our younger listeners out there in terms of, of embracing the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, it's been 22 years this year. You know, I'm 39 now from 17. Uh, um, um, doing, you know, or, or running, you know, uh, an advertising related business. Um, and, and you know, the, the one thing that I'd say is you, you sometimes just have to embrace your life stage as a business, right? So my big lesson in, in, in scaling a business is, you know, at different life stages of a business, you run it in a very different way. You know, so when it's still a very small business, you know, you get involved in everything, including how many sugars, you know, in a visitor's tea. You know, you get involved mm. in every single thing. And uh, you get to a life stage where, you know, you start employing a few people here and here and there. And it, it is the ability to um, let go of, of, you know, all the things that you've been doing. And you get to a stage where now you have no idea what's going on in the business because there's just so many things happening at the same time, which means that now you have to have a, a management team around you. You have to keep people that are 10 times smarter than you around you all the time. And you have to trust them and, and empower them to make decisions. Um, and then you get to a stage where where that team becomes so efficient that you have to start looking for a successor, right, from that very same team. And and you have to groom, you start grooming your successor, you know, and and you get to a point like where I am now, you know, in my entrepreneurial journey where I, I soon realize that actually my successor can run this business way better than me, right? And that's why I handed it over to a successor. Now, now all of this, you know, takes takes a certain level of reflection all the time, you know, because things change. You know, um, people come come in, people leave businesses, uh, clients come, clients go, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, take take changes, but it's it's while change is happening as the entrepreneur, it's 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 constantly questioning yourself whether you know. Can you still take the business further? How further can you take it? You know, and being truthful to self, right? Yeah. And uh, and for me, that's how you grow a really successful business. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and being faithful to self yeah. means keeping the integrity of the initial vision yeah. know, for the business, which I, I guess as you grow must be quite a challenge because there are so many temptations to oh, yeah. play for the volume rather than stick with the uh, the original musical score. Sure. I, I don't know how many offers I've had, yeah. you know, to be bought out. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, to, and I've always, like, had this thing that, um, one, if, I, if there comes a day that I don't believe I can take it further, maybe I can think about a sell, you know. But two... Um, if I'm going to get get into a negotiation with anyone, I don't want to be negotiating on their terms. I want to mm. be negotiating on my own terms. So I want to ensure that the business is so attractive yeah. that the terms are going to be mine, not yeah. theirs. Right. Speaking of attractive, Chris, uh, a, qu a question for you. Um, 
you know, if we talk about the, the extreme uh, generalists and extreme specialists as well, both of those imply a level of, of competence and, you know, and training. And just working through the, uh, the walk uh, Future of Research report, which they bring out on an annual basis, the 2021 report uh, talked about the fact that 93% of strategists globally um, are actually learning on the job. So a question for you, and then I'm going to throw another one at, uh, at Z as well, and we're going to wrap it up. You know, what are the plans you know, for, I mean, you've always had a very active uh, training component to all of the, even going back in the days of Media Shop. Is, is that kind of implicit in all of this because you're going to get a whole bunch of new folks in there? How are you going to take them up to the point where they can actually choose to be general, extreme generalists or extreme specialists? Yeah, uh, uh, thanks, Gordon. I think exactly right. And that's part of why we're doing this deal, right, is because there is, It's. I think, first of all, I think learning is something that you always do. Uh, I, I do consider myself somebody who is still training on the job as we speak. Um, but I think the the, the, the the nice opportunity that this deal brings is mutual learning between park advertising and, and uh, an avatar is an eminent brands right is is for us is how uh the 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 and veli and the guys are think about the world and about business in a very different way to what we do and we think about the world in a very different way to what they do so uh training will be critical for us in terms of what we can bring to the party there but i think it would be incredibly incredibly narrow-minded of us going in there thinking that uh, uh, we are the saviors who are going to walk in and do training. I think we, we're actually walking in there very humble, knowing that the, that that between Zipusis Vaveli and his team, there's an awful lot that they know that we want to learn from them as well. Um, that will grow our people as well. So it, it has to be it has to be something that uh, we in the end we all walk away and we all believe that we've made the world a better place and we've all learned and all grown together. And talking about making the world a better place, uh, last question to you, Z, and then we're going to wrap. But next week we have uh, Kantar on talking about their West Africa report, which is absolutely fascinating uh, report. You know, making the world a better place, but you also talked earlier on about uh, connecting the continent. Uh, you know what? Is there implicit in all of this some plan to roll out uh, into into a more pan-African offering? And and does you know what is it about M and M brands and the whole avatar pedigree? Does it put you in a better position to do that, perhaps? Um, um, yeah, yeah. In fact, that's part of that's part of my plan. Um, in me stepping down as the CEO from Avatar into into the MNN stable, I've got a number of objectives. One is AMA, a very big one. It will occupy about fifty percent of my time. Now the other is is the fact that we we do a lot of business in China. You know, quite a lot of rev- of our revenue actually comes from China. And um, how can we grow that even further? We've we've had interest, you know, from from other Chinese companies um, to work with them, and and particularly because, you know, the problem that they have is is they come from a very close society and they understand very little, you know, beyond China because of the media there and restrictions around around uh, communication, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. So we almost set up a blueprint, you know, in effectively communicating on the African continent through through techno, you know, and uh, 
And um, for us, we see that as a as a massive opportunity. I mean, look, if you look at the South African uh, economy, our, gro- our growth is basically non-existent, you know, at the moment. And we have to look for markets where there's lots and lots of growth and lots and lots of expansion into the African continent. And and our view is that, um, you know, we actually see more South African companies actually um, downscaling their African operations instead of increasing, you know, but the inverse with China is is we're seeing them actually expanding and we want to be part of that, yeah. right? And so that is the fuel to actually build the network. So the the fuel will actually be, or the jet fuel for this thing will actually come from China and not necessarily South African agencies, oh, sorry, South African businesses. So so strategically, that's my focus, to Fantastic. build that. Well, that, that's really interesting and a great place to wrap it up. So, Chris and Z, thanks for, for joining us today. I really do appreciate the time. And, uh, guys, uh, yeah, I hope we look forward to chatting about the, the rollout in the future. And for the rest of you, may I just suggest for the coming 24 hours that you take your boom boxes, your speakers, whatever, and redirect your Barry Manilow music to the Ukraine. Let's see if we can drive the Russians <laughs> off with Barry Manilow and the Macarena song. Otherwise, cheer for now. And so that was another episode of the Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the Guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.